about um, what's going on with the Corinthians. I think I left the clicker over here. There's like, I brought up 55 things, but I suppose we're in 56. So I forgot about that one, sorry. Um, and so you'll see here on the first slide, this is a map of um, uh, the, the biblical times, and Corinth there is toward the middle. Can you see that there? Oh, hang on, just a laser. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's Corinth, and this greater area there is Achaia, and it's near modern day Greece. That's really fun. Uh, so it's, uh, that, that's where Corinth was and, and is still today. And you'll see in the next slide, this is modern day Corinth, right? So it's right on the water. It looks pretty amazing, doesn't it? It looks like a really beautiful part of the world. And so when Paul was writing to Corinth, it was actually ancient Corinth, which was just down the road, about five kilometers down the road. And this is ancient Corinth today. And so that's uh, the main street of ancient Corinth there. And you can see all these walls that were the shops. Uh, and that, that was the reality in the background on the... Here we go again. There we are there. Um, that was the temple, Apollo Temple. And so that's, that was where Paul was writing to. Really cool. And so Paul's not just writing to, you know, like some bunch of randoms somewhere, uh, or, you know, religious people in general. He's writing to a group of people in Corinth, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, writing to the body of Christ, just as, as we are here today, God's people. And Paul's letters were nearly always written in response to an issue that had come up, that he'd heard about, and that was the case here for, for two Corinthians. But the solution to this problem isn't just specific to the Corinthians, it's actually applicable to us today as Christians here in Australia. And the reality is that the gospel of Jesus Christ has implications for every area of our life and every generation throughout time. And so Paul here is saying to the Corinthians, showing the Corinthians that the gospel has significant implications for the Corinthian Christians, particularly in their suffering and also in our suffering. And you see that uh, suffering and comfort idea repeated over and over again in this passage that we're looking at tonight. And the good thing is that Paul's letter and his teaching to the Corinthians, it's not coming from, like Paul's not some you know, lecturer in a nice cushy job, writing a letter about something he hasn't had any practical experience about. Paul's writing from the front line, from the deep trenches of Christian suffering. When you face suffering, where do you go for comfort? Now, as Christians, we face all sorts of sufferings, people generally, but as Christians too, we, we suffer with poor health. Sometimes we struggle with finances or relationships, maybe get a hard time at school for being a Christian, or struggle, struggle to fit in at work because uh, your Christian faith is in conflict with some of your colleagues and their attitudes. Perhaps you have a family member that's hostile to your Christian faith uh, and actively wish that you weren't a follower of Jesus. Or, as we've seen recently, if you live in another country like Sri Lanka, uh, Christians are even scared to go to church because their lives might be taken from them. Uh, people might come and actively try and kill them just for, for coming to church. And that happened to one of um, the compassion kids. Their, their, his mum passed away, was killed 
in that body. And his dad was injured. So as you suffer and you struggle, depending on all sorts of different struggles and sufferings in our world, where do you go to first for comfort? And I reflect upon that this week uh, for myself. Asking myself, where, where do I go uh, first go for comfort? When I was a kid, I would go to mum. Mike, that's my mum. She's a pretty good mum. Ness, Ness can agree. Thank you, Ness. Um, she, that she was quite, you know, good to look, look after if it hurt ourselves or someone wasn't being unkind. Uh, but as you grow older, you, you start thinking, we find comfort in different ways, don't we? So maybe it's, if you're married, maybe it's your spouse. Um, or if you've got a good relationship with a close friend, you find comfort in them. Or for some, we find comfort in denial. Pretending this bad thing's not really that bad or not really happening to us. Or, you know, we, we find comfort in alcohol or drugs or those sorts of things. Or escaping via TV or Netflix or something unhelpful on the internet or, or whatever. So where do you go when you face suffering? And today we find God's plan in suffering. And, and, and Paul sends the Corinthians in the midst of suffering to, to somewhere special. He, he, he points to something in the middle of their pain and struggles. And this is what he says from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now, just as a, as a side note, before we get stuck into that verse, I wanted to show you a mug I got given for Father's Day a couple of years ago. And you can see that it says, this is what an awesome dad looks like. Which was really lovely of my kids to give me the mug. And I was excited as soon as I got it. I thought, oh, isn't that awesome? Isn't that fantastic? And then instantly I realised how much I let down the mug as a dad. Honestly, I felt like, yes! Awesome dad. And then I was like, no, you're not an awesome dad. Sometimes you're not that great at that at all. But, but Paul is saying here, this is what an awesome dad looks like. God is, our Heavenly Father is what an awesome dad looks like, and he lives up to the height. And Paul highlights the way that God is an awesome father, how he is 100% trustworthy, and you can rely upon him particularly in your suffering. So verse 3, Paul prays be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. But Paul's so convinced that God, uh, who God is, and the reality of how great he is, that he starts praising him. Praise God, worship him, adore him, because of who he is and what he has done. And Paul, Paul it's not like Paul's just sort of, listing a few names for Jesus and you know, for God, and that's sort of a good thing to do at the beginning of the letter. He's, he's pouring out words and pouring out his feelings for God. He's moved by God's greatness. It's like when you get out of a car, you know when you, maybe after when you drive home from church tonight, and you get out of the car in the dark, and you suddenly notice the stars, and there's like thousands of them, and this is like this the other night, you're like, oh, Oh, and you just follow the Milky Way, you know, and it goes for miles. And it just takes your breath away. You're like, that's incredible. Well, Paul's like this with God. He's like, this is amazing. He is amazing. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And these are glorious facts to be, to be felt and expressed, and that's what Paul does. And 
But that's interesting, isn't it? That you see there, verse 3, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he points to Jesus, and we can't help but remember the reason why sinners like us can receive mercy, can receive this incredible blessing and comfort and compassion from God in the first place, it's because of Jesus. In Romans, we're reminded, Romans chapter 8, says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So he's a God of mercies, of comfort and graces. He is God virus, the source of our comfort, as he is the father of Jesus, who gave he gave up for all of us. And as he says in verse 5, but just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So God's mercies to you and I come not uh, come through the Father giving us the Son. But if He hadn't given us His Son Jesus, we would not have had His mercies. And so that's why Paul calls Him the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the supreme place for our for comfort for our troubles. He's the one we we must turn to. As circumstances, as as the sin in our life, as life just grinds you down, you know, sometimes when it feels like that. And as hard as life is for most people, only the Christian can take hold of the, the resource, the comfort of God Himself, the living Father of compassion and comfort, the one who loves His children dearly and gave His Son for them. But there's something interesting, isn't it, that there's more in our suffering than just being comforted. Is it? Do you think it's possible that your troubles, your hardships, could be redeemed and used by God for a purpose? I don't know if you've ever had a conversation from somebody who tries to see good purpose in, in suffering and the conversation goes like this, um, and normally it's a little bit flippant and they just don't really want to talk about your problems. But if you say, oh, you, they you know, say, how are you going? You say, not that good, I just broke my leg. They say something like, oh, at least you get some time to rest. You're like, like yeah, I guess. Or, oh, how's it going? Oh, I've lost my job. Oh, isn't that great? You get to try something new. Like, no, but God, God's saying here, actually, in the midst of your suffering, there is a greater purpose. Not, not nothing flippant, something incredible. There is a real purpose for our suffering. Paul says to the suffering Corinthian Christians that our God and Father comforts us with a purpose. And you see that in verse 4. It says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So through his mercy and kindness, God comforts us, and then he turns the comforted into comforters. Our sharing in Christ's comfort, that sharing the benefits of being part of his death and resurrection for our sin, is designed that we might then be a comfort to others. We're comforted by God through Christ, 
and his generous, overflowing, incredible love for us, and then we get to be a conduit to that sort of grace and mercy and comfort to others. It would be impossible to be a Christian who's received the comfort of Christ, the love of Christ, the mercy of Christ, and then keep it for ourselves. Bad luck to you. That we would say to others, you're not going to receive any comfort from me, uh, and then enjoy the comfort ourselves and, and, and ignore them. And God has turned the comforted into comforters. That's quite an incredible idea, isn't it? That God might be using you or me to be a comfort to others as a result of the comfort we've received in our suffering. Through your sufferings and your hardship, and through Jesus' incredible love for you, how is it? How might it be possible for you to be a blessing to others? Have you thought about that? This week I was actually really challenged. I don't know if I thought about that that much. Have you looked for opportunities how to use the comfort that you've received to be a comfort to others? That's pretty incredible that Jesus, God would use us uh, to comfort others. But something even uh, more interesting than that is that, uh, more interesting again, is that comforting our, others is actually good for us. It's not just something we should do, it's something that's good for us. And you might find that a bit hard to believe. Sometimes you think, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the Bible and think, I shouldn't do that because God tells me to. Um, but, you know, I could. I'd rather not. But here we find out, as all of the Bible, what God wants for us is what's best for us. And he actually says in Acts, in Jesus' words are recorded in Acts, that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so even in giving comfort to others, that will be a blessing to us. God wants what's best for us, right? And even in that, it will be an incredible blessing to us. God says Christians will go undergo difficulties so that we can speak out of our suffering and comfort from God. We can love others in that. We can be a blessing and comfort to them. That will enable them to trust God more. And even for, for salvation. And isn't that what we do with our neighbour and our friends? When we have opportunities to, to share the gospel with them, and we, we, we share the good, incredible gifts from God that we have received, and we want them to know that. But that might be why you've invited your family and friends to tomorrow night to, to the One Life course. That's definitely what we're doing when together we're, we're sponsoring kids, right? We're caring for their physical needs, but we're bringing the hope of the gospel to them as we pray for them, as we share the gospel in our letters to them. As you wonder on the struggles in your life and the losses in your life, is there any redeeming value to them? Well, God says yes. They enable you to experience the Father of compassion and the God of all grace. And they enable you, they give you the opportunity to share those that comfort with those around you who are suffering. As it says there in verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We have a comfort and a hope that's worth passing on. Now, in case you're tempted to be feeling this 
uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you might be thinking, well, Paul doesn't understand what I've been through. What I'm going through right now. But this is what suffering was for Paul, and he talks about that from verse 8. This is what he says. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul's suffering was so bad, and we're not told what it was on this occasion, and as you read the Bible, you can see that Paul suffered a lot. It could have been physical suffering, it could have been enormous pressure from his enemies, those who were trying to harm him. But whatever it was, it meant that he thought he'd received the sentence of death. And Paul shares this with us so that, we're not, that we won't be lost, we won't be perplexed when these things end up happening to us. Because suffering will happen to us. Maybe um, you've blessed, left a, a blessed life so far and you haven't had that um, hardship, but sickness will come to us all, right? Death will come to us all. We will, the death of loved ones happens to us all. Struggles in our faith happens to us all. But verse 9 that this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. The suffering that Paul was receiving was to make him rely not on himself, but to rely on God, the one who raises the dead. See, Paul thought he'd come to the end of his life. He says he thought he received the sentence of death. But it's interesting, Paul wasn't looking to God to try and save him from death, was he? What does he say about God? He said he trusts God, the one who can raise from the dead. It was a hope in the resurrection from the dead, not an escape from the suffering that he was receiving. It was God's design that Paul would trust in him more, that God's purpose was for him to rely on him more, and particularly for his resurrection after death. God saying, this is what I've brought this to you for, that you will trust in me more. And then you see it in Romans, similar verses, in Romans chapter 5, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering produces endurance. It produces hope in God both now and for eternity. And so this traumatic experience has had a profound effect on Paul. He says this has happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God, who raises the dead. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. I don't know about you, but when things are going well, I'm prone to trust in my own resources, my own skills, or, or what have you. 
But for Paul, in this event, it's caused him to rely on God in a new way. This suffering has, become, has caused him to rely on God in a new way, to refocus his hope on God's deliverance, rather than trusting in himself. Uh, I want to finish in a moment, but I want to give you a minute to, to bring before God some suffering that you might be going through at the moment, or, or someone that you love, care for, is facing at the moment. And in the quiet of your mind, pray about this suffering, and thank God that he has sent Jesus for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds in Christ. And let's ask him that he will use us in the middle of our suffering, that we will be comforted by him, and that in that comfort we'll be able to be a comfort to others with the hope, the eternal hope of the gospel, and the comfort that only God can give. So can I give us a minute to, to do that? And then I'll, I'll finish in prayer, so, so please pray with me. Praise be to you, God, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You comfort us in all our troubles. And Father, we bring them before you now. Comfort us, we pray, through the love of your Son. And Lord, we pray that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from you. Lord God, we pray that our lives will overflow with your love and comfort for others. And may it all be for your glory, we pray. In the risen Lord Jesus' name. Amen.